Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Socially Distanced Close-Ups Israel Edition podcast series. I am your host, Rachel Alexander, and today I'm joined by Ina Braverman, the co-founder and CEO of EcoWave Power. For those listening at home, Ina is a technology entrepreneur who's using the power of waves to create clean electricity. She founded EcoWave Power at 24 a leading onshore wave energy technology company that created a patented, smart, cost-efficient technology for turning ocean and sea waves into green electricity. Ina is a powerful leader in sustainability and has received countless recognitions for incredible work. She was recently chosen as one of the 100 most influential individuals in the world by Medium.com, was on Wired's list of females changing the world, and she's the winner of the United Nations Climate Action Award. I chose to interview her since I was incredibly inspired by all that she's done to mitigate pollution. And as a young woman myself, it's so energizing to see how much you've accomplished and how driven you are. And I really wanted a chance to meet her. So hi, Ina. We're happy to have you here with us today. Happy to be here. Great. I think the first thing that's on my mind that I'd love to hear you speak on uh, is just a, a brief story of how you got to where you are and how you ended up in doing this incredible work. So I think kind of the indirect story starts far, far away from Israel in Ukraine. I was actually born in Ukraine and not in Israel, although now I live in Israel. And I was born on 11th of April, 1986. Two weeks after I was born, the Chernobyl nuclear reactor exploded, which was the worst in history nuclear disaster. I was one of the babies that got hurt from the negative effects of such explosion. I actually had a respiratory arrest, stopped breathing and a clinical death. Luckily, my mother, that is a nurse, approached my crib on time and gave me a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which saved my life. I was a lucky baby, but many children and adults were not as lucky as I was and had very significant illness and even deaths as direct consequences of the Chernobyl explosion. Given that kind of background story, when you feel like you get a second chance in life, you really want to do something good with it. And of course, when I was a baby, I didn't know that EcoWave power is what's going to come out of it. But growing up again with the story that you got a second chance in life and that maybe it's something special and maybe you need to, to give something back to the world. That's kind of what motivates me all the time to really pursue the renewable energy business. Growing up, I actually thought that maybe I can change the world through politics. So in Haifa University, where I studied in Israel, I actually went to study English literature and political science. But I guess the world has its own way. And in the end, I ended in renewable energy. And I'm super happy that I did because I believe that it is a very important sector where we can really make a change. That's kind of the the background in short. That's awesome. Yeah, I noticed I was looking at your bio and it's talked about poli-sci and English being more your educational background. Like how was the transition into the eco-wave energy world? Was that a hard transition? It wasn't really a transition because it's not like you study political science and you become a politician right away. So I never worked at that sector. When I finished university, you know, suddenly as a student, you find out that there's no lineup of politicians waiting to hire you. Apparently many people want to be in politics and I started looking for a job and uh, the first job that I found right after university was in a renewable energy company. In that company I found out about the different renewable energy sources which is solar and wind and whereas solar and wind were fully commercialized like it was everybody fighting for the same piece of the same pie kind of you know. It was already well received and implemented in many countries. Wave energy was kind of the new kid in the block of renewables. And it really attracted me that the whole science community and the engineering community really believed in wave energy. But on the other hand, no commercial company was able to reach 
commercial scale valid wave energy installation. And being a very innocent person, and when you're 24, you're very passionate, but very innocent, I said to myself, okay, all these huge companies, they have all the money in the world, they have all the human resources in the world, they have all the contacts, they can't do it, but I, the little girl from Akko, which is a small city in Israel where I was raised, I can do it. And I started kind of researching and looking at data centers and any type of, in, of any piece of information that I could find and seeing like why other companies have failed, why wave energy has not commercialized. And I found out that uh, really there were four core problems that prevented the commercialization of the field, which is the cost of the systems. Most of the technologies installed back then in the offshore, which is four or five kilometers into the sea. Then you need ships and divers and underwater mooring and cables and it all becomes super expensive. The reliability of the technologies, after they spent all this money many times after a few days or a few months of operation, these bulky huge technologies have broken down because in the offshore you have waves of 20 meters or even higher and no man-made equipment can survive such loads. Another concern was that because of the high prices and the breakability, insurance companies didn't want to insure wave energy and environmentalists, which were supposed to be the greatest proponents of wave energy, were actually objecting because it created a new presence on the ocean floor. So I kind of understood that I have to solve these four problems in order to really have a commercially viable product. I thought about some idea. I couldn't make it into a reality. First of all, I wasn't an engineer. Second of all, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the contacts. I didn't have anything. Actually, in a social event, when I already put the idea kind of aside, it's unrealistic because I just didn't have the resources to pursue it. In a social event, I met my business partner, who's a serial entrepreneur. His name is David Leb, And he is not even an Israeli citizen. And he has a lot of different real estate investments. And one of them is surf camp in Panama. So when he was in Panama, he was also thinking, wow, there must be something better that you can do with the power of the waves rather than just surfing. And kind of when we started talking and we understood both of our passion is wave energy, which is quite rare, that was kind of the beginning of eco-wave power. That's amazing. As a student interested in politics, it's disappointing that there's not jobs in politics lined up when I graduate. But it's also so inspiring how like women in general entering STEM is already such a hard thing to do and entering it from without a degree in it is truly, truly so incredible. And going off of that, I'd love to like hear about some of the obstacles you faced and how you got over them. And I was watching some of your videos and I know in your TED Talks, you've talked about female empowerment in one video. So I'd also love to hear about how you remain empowered during these like obstacles that I'm sure you faced. So I had many difficulties. I still have difficulties today. I think, you know, the life of an entrepreneur is uh, full of ups and downs. As a female entrepreneur specifically, I do believe that there's an additional layer of difficulty. So you have entrepreneur problems and then the female entrepreneur problems on top of that. As you probably saw in some of the TED Talks that you mentioned, uh, I told how I used to come to the conference room when I was 24 about to pitch my amazing wave energy technology and everybody went espresso, please, water, like everybody were taking orders because if there's a woman in a, in a, a room, she's probably there as somebody's assistant. If we went to a business meeting, business meetings, David and I, then all the questions were directed to him. If somebody asked a question and looks at David right away for the answers, like if there's a woman in the room, she's there from some other reasons, but there's no chance that you would know the technical answers. So there are, of course, unpleasant, even just being a minority in the room all the time, you know, most of even conferences and business meetings that are in the energy uh, industry, which is a very male dominated, let's call it uh, industry, 
So being a minority all the time in the room can't really build your confidence on the long term. Of course, as a young woman with no, as you correctly said, with no engineering background, that was a lot to overcome. But on the other hand, I always say that uh, passion is the greatest renewable energy source. And I think that uh, my passion and my persistence really helped me, you know, overcome the problems. That's awesome. I like that the passion is the greatest renewable energy source. That's really inspiring. Going off of things that drive you really get like passion, I'd love to hear about what core values have been important in your decision-making process and have like guided some of the choices that you've made. So I think uh, maybe the core values were, as I said, you hear no you still try and you fall and you get up so I think that's one of uh, really the important things uh, the second thing is a high level and a high degree of uh, transparency I really believe in conducting business very again transparent telling everything saying the good things saying the bad things always communicate it to your business partners to your suppliers to your investors because that kind of really defines who you are and what your business looks like especially when you're developing a new technology. So I think that's kind of the two core values that really helped me along the way. That's great. Could you elaborate more on the being transparent and the communicating and how that became a prominent value to you? I think when you're developing a new technology or even when you're opening a startup, like it's not very easy, right? We make a lot of mistakes. We make mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes as a manager. I made a lot of mistakes as in different arenas, if it's technical, if it's commercial, if it's in marketing, if it's in hiring, in firing, and you know, in all the aspects of the business. And there is a tendency, I think, of young, maybe not only young, but also of, of young entrepreneurs that they think, especially female entrepreneurs, and that's actually research and proven, that they kind of feel that they have to be perfect. So when they go on a business meeting and somebody asks them, which problem did you face in your business? They're like, nothing, everything is amazing. And uh, what problems does, you know, your technology has? My technology has no problems. It's like my child. It's like perfect, you know? So kind of young entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs, especially, as I said, feel that they have to be perfect. And nothing in this world is perfect. No business is perfect. No person is perfect. And we need to, I think, a key element in gaining the trust of your partners, clients, investors, suppliers, is always being honest with them. If you made a mistake, if something was more difficult than expected, if something took long your time, if you're sharing it with them and explaining them that you have a clear plan on how to fix it and how to go back on the road where you want to be, it gains you much more appreciation than if everything is perfect all the time, you know? So that's kind of my vision. That's really interesting because as a young person and young woman, I definitely feel the tendency for myself to be like, no, me? Like, everything's fine. And think that even, not only professionally, but socially, that's just such an important and, like, admirable characteristic to have with your with what you're doing. And I'll tell you, even as an employer, if a person comes to me for, let's say, a job interview, and I speak to them, and everything is perfect, something is wrong, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure I want this uh, person in my company. But when somebody comes and he knows his problems and disadvantages and openly reveals it, I think our flows and our stakes are our biggest assets in the end of the day. That teaches us, it was, makes us what we are. I feel that it's very important. And there's actually a study that is supporting what you said about female entrepreneurs or women in general, 
they actually found out, I think it was HP that did the study, that uh, a man would apply to a job when he meets 60% of the criteria for that. Yeah, a man would apply for a job when he meets only 60% of the criteria for the job. A woman would apply only when she meets 100% of the requirements. That shows you the big gap and how women feel like, okay, if we're not perfect, if we don't have 100 out of 100, we wouldn't even apply. And that's something that needs to change. Right. And hearing those statistics are really groundbreaking in terms of like recognizing how, that, how big that gap is. I think something else that I'm thinking about as you're speaking is, is what advice you've received along the way and what has similar to core values and similar to or overcoming obstacles, what the other people have told you has helped motivate you or stuck with you. I think the thing that motivated me the most, it might be a strange answer, is kind of the naysayers. Everybody that said to me, you can't, you will not succeed, it will never work. Why wave energy? Go do something else. All the people that actually didn't believe, I think were a big, big part of my personal motivation. That's great. Because <laughs> I think that's a good way to transfer energy from <laughs> something that might be a negative into something that can motivate you. For the last question, I'd love to ask you about Israel a little bit. I'm just curious as someone who's though born somewhere else, but spent so much time in Israel, what advice would you give to a young professional or college student uh, moving to Israel? Listen, I think Israel is an amazing country. It's a country of opportunities. It's a startup nation. It's even very interesting culturally. I'm not sure if you, you visited probably, right? Yeah. So, so you know that it's, I really feel that it's something that's a very young country, but that have achieved and that did so much. My advice is one, enjoy your time here. Uh, which is important when you're uh, young and when you're older. Try to, again, pursue your passion and pursue your kind of direction or dream and whatever angle you want to undertake, because I really believe it is the land of opportunity. Like, everything is possible here. Even the mere existence of Israel is kind of beating the odds. So if you want to beat the odds in business, that's like a piece of cake in comparison to what the country has been through. So that's why I think like if you come into the land of opportunities, like really be free, be open-minded, think outside of the book, say what you think, do what, what you think. It's a very culturally open country. So I really believe that here, like anybody's dreams can come true. And that's a very big positive thing to have about a country. Yeah, the startup and innovation energy from Israel is definitely <laughs> very strong. Listen, the country has the biggest amount of startups per capita in the world. And we're in like small country on the map that shows you that there is a big opportunity here to make a difference. Even my business partner, he's not Israeli, but when he comes to Israel, he's telling me like, I'm shocked every time that I'm riding a cab or going somewhere, I find out that the taxi driver has a startup, has an invention, has something like, because I never saw so many startups in my life. And it's really the vibe here, which is quite cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing your story with Career Up Now's podcast series. I'm so inspired by your values of perseverance and honesty and how driven you are and goal focused. It's so inspiring to see as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as a leader in this field. It's inspiring and I so look forward to seeing more of your work in the world. Thank you very much and I really appreciate this stage given. I think that it's important to put emphasis on female entrepreneurship, on impact investing, because I do think that uh, these, are change, these are things that need, need to change in the world. And good job on making the interview. It was a good question, good research. So that's amazing as well. <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you. I'm starting my path of female, female work. <laughs> awesome. Thank okay. you so much, Ina. Have a great day. Thank you.